You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum, wherever you are around Australia. It is terrific to have you tuning in. We really appreciate you doing that. And can we say just a massive thank you to every radio station that is airing this show right around Australia as well. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. And Des is my co-host. Des, it's so good to be back in the studio with you, my friend. Exactly. seems like forever since we've actually done a show. And um, we're looking forward to a really good show today. So it's really cool to be here, man. So our special guest today, and I'm super excited about the show, he's done so much over the years, and we're going to delve into a bit about that because me just stating it, we could be here for half of the show, but his name is Greg Bondar. He is the State Director for New South Wales and the ACT for Family Voice Australia, and Greg, it is an absolute privilege and a pleasure to have you on the show this week, my friend. Good to uh, good to have you here. Uh, delighted to be here, Tim Des. So, look, uh, for those who don't know of Family Voice Australia, tell us a bit more about you guys and, and what you do. Family Voice Australia is a national advocacy group, for want of a better term, um, and we advocate on issues of family, freedom and faith, uh, in particular in the public arena. And by that I mean we approach government, we go to churches, we go to organisations, and we take up the issues that a lot of people are too too afraid or reluctant to talk about in the public square for the fear of being either cancelled or, 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 you know, picked on by way of tweets or social media. So we do a lot of that, and my work really involves a lot of government lobbying at the state and federal level. And it's desperately needed to do. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> because one of the problems is that uh, – Politicians make the laws, regulations, mm. but sometimes they make it without reference to people like you and me and, and the general mum and dads out there, and it's a real issue. Mm. Uh, having worked in government, I was an advisor to the, to the, to the Prime Minister, John Howard, uh, uh, in, in his first term of, par- of parliament, and uh, I can tell you sitting on both sides, I can now have a better appreciation of how important it is to lobby government on issues of concern. Mm. Mm. Greg, can I ask you personally, what topics are close to your heart when it comes to this sort of arena? What, what things are you particularly passionate about? Yeah, look, I'm glad you asked that because there are a number of issues, but sometimes I, I, I sort of struggle as to what do I make the key key priority? And, and there are three, actually, if I can share those with you. The first one is, of course, uh, the role of men. Uh, as, as they come uh, into family, faith and freedom issues. The second one I'm very concerned about is church and state. How do we get involved in the issues of the day, you know, in terms of do Christians get involved in politics or should they not get involved? So church and state is a big issue. Mm. And then, then the third one is I'm very much a pro-life advocate and by saying that, um, I think it's important that we continue to advocate for issues that are pro-life. They are three massive topics, and we could probably do a show on each of those, couldn't we, Des? <laughs> Certainly. But, uh, you, you know, the first one you mentioned, let, let's talk about that today. That is our topic for the day, men and their role in the family. And you've been married for 40 years. You've got three adult kids. Um, you're a grandfather. Obviously, you've got a fair bit of wisdom and knowledge that you can pass on to guys listening today. So let's explore men and, and our role in the family. Um, I suppose when you look at men in church today, Greg, let's start with the bigger picture. Do you think that the church 
helps men particularly well? Do you think we do that well or can we improve in that area? And, and if so, how? Well, that's a fantastic question, Tim, because in point of fact, I think uh, churches have absolutely failed in their duty. Now, I'll explain that in a moment. Failed in their duty to engage men at a more personal level. Now, yeah, I belong to a Bible study group. Uh, I, I go to, you know, morning tea and I talk to some of the men. But very rarely do you see churches actually having programs um, and, and engagement with men on issues of concern. And men, as you know, as we all know, are very secretive. They have their own social idea of what it takes to be a man. And, but not only that, as the head of the household, and mm. I'll come to that later as well, men are reluctant to put up their hand and talk to other men sometimes. So it's a real issue. So I think to answer your question, while some churches have made an effort, I think generally it tends to be neglected as part of the ministry of most churches. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and certainly, you know, my Christian walk has been relatively short compared to you guys. I would have been a Christian for 11 years. But, you know, in my time in church, um, it's been, uh, well, just terrible. That's the only word I can use for it. Mm. And, and I went to a really progressive church who, you know, were so alive in so many areas of ministry. But the one area that they failed to address was men. And I yeah. went to a, a men's conference and there was all these guys walking on their phones, didn't know anybody, didn't talk to anybody, didn't engage. And then they all would sat in the conference and then walked out and back on their phone, didn't engage, didn't talk. <laughs> and, you know, they got no value, no value nah. from that experience. And, you know, getting men one-on-one -on -one and doing life one-on-one -on -one where they can be held accountable and so forth is key before they get into trouble because that's, but that, that sets them up for whenever they do get mm. into trouble, they've got that mm. relationship. Correct. I have a ministry with a certain number of men. We have coffee, for example, on a Friday morning and we talk about issues that, uh, you know, we as, we as men, but... As, as Christians talk about, but in particular, it's a time when I can raise an issue. I mean, my colleague the other day raised the fact that, look, I'm having trouble with my wife, you know. And I said, well, let's talk about it, you know. And I said, I've got to tell you, you're not alone <laughs> because we are all now by trouble. I don't think he means, you know, he, he said he's having issues uh, and, and it was so good to be able to sit down and talk to each other. Hmm. as to what's God's view on this and how should we as Christian men as head of the household approach all this. So it's great. But hmm. as generally, you go to a church, very rarely are there programs for men to be able to talk to each other, which they're reluctant to do anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very rarely is there that opportunity, yeah. unfortunately. So, Greg, we, we, we've all had this experience, and no doubt men listening right now uh, can be on board with this and go, you know what, I, that's exactly how I feel in my church. It's like I don't feel that connected. I don't feel like I've got people around me that I can have that conversation with. So if the church isn't doing its job in helping men to understand their role as a man and in the family, then where do you think men are getting this advice from? Where do you think they're getting their ideas of what it means to be a man, what it means to be you know, a family man? If the church isn't doing its job, then then who is influencing our men, do you think? And and how can we change that? Yeah, well, that 
you've just hit on the issue that I think men face because um, I know that many in my church, some of them come because their wives go. Now, I'm not saying they're Christian or not Christian. The point is that they come because their wives go to church, so they go there to support them. Men generally will get there. Unfortunately, some of the men will get their ethics and morals from secular society, hmm. from TV, from social media, from talking to their mates down at the pub. And a lot of men want to be masculine, whatever that means. And in, and in, and in the eyes of most men, you know, I've got to be gambling, I've got, I've got to be drinking, I've got to be swearing, and that makes me a real man. But unfortunately... That's a false concept. That stereotype is wrong. In terms of Christian men, I think a lot of the men fail to recognise that the Bible is your best guide, your best guide on how to be a, a, a man who leads his family. And in that respect, you know, the New Testament with the Apostle Paul specifically outlines leadership roles for men. So we need to look at that and you only have to look at Ephesians, for example. It's mm. good, good advice. And you know that, and you're you're right. There's, there is a a general lack of people reading the Bible and studying God's word um, throughout the church, and that's certainly that's that's a fact. And and it, it does change things. Um, I mean, we, the Holy Spirit's there for a reason to guide us into all truth, and so hmm. you know, it's important that we use the Holy yeah. Spirit. In that I way. think men are reluctant Des, to engage. I mean, I have some Christian friends, and we meet we meet over dinner with husbands and wives. But they refuse to or don't want to talk about spiritual matters, about biblical issues, about doctrine. You know, we'll, we'll talk about footy and, uh, and, and cricket and uh, what have you. But we fail. And I think that's really sad because some of the men that I have met who are Christian, and as a chaplain, I have to tell you, when I talk to some of these men, once you start talking to them, they will open up. I will mm. share their heart with you. So what, what do you think is the reluctance, Greg, for men to start those sorts of conversations? You're right. I mean, we tend to go surface with the footy or the weather or, you know, work or, you know, that sort of stuff. What, what do you think the reluctance is in delving deeper, whether it's something biblical, whether it's about stuff that's happening in our personal life? What are the barriers, do you think, that men, you know, and Des and I are passionate about this too, about breaking down those barriers that men actually get to the heart of the, the issue and, and talk about the real stuff. Look, I found, as I said, in my chaplaincy work and also in my, uh, I do a lot of ministry for men, the number one issue is that men are very, very reluctant to let their guard down. Hmm. They don't want you to know who they are behind that facade. And by saying that, I mean, <clears throat> I've spoken from prime ministers right down to, you know, um, our prisoners, you know, they don't want to let the facade down because what that will do is it'll, it'll, it'll highlight their weaknesses, for example, what they're, what they're you know, uh, doing that they shouldn't be doing. So, look, the real issue is men will not let their facade, you know, uh, they want to. They want to appear somebody else, and I mean that in a nice sense because while they want to be, appear to be somebody else, they are not being truthful to, to, their, to their families, to their mates, 
or whatever else. So the number one issue is really letting your guard down, Tim. Mm. Okay, so can, can I jump on that? Because this is something that I'm I'm incredibly passionate about. And this is not not meaning to denigrate the church, but but is this part of the problem, i.e. the fact that we've created these environments at church then where if we do happen to say that we're struggling or we've still got issues as a man, whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol, whether it's something that, that the rest of the church might frown upon, that if we've perhaps tried to let our guard down in you know previous lives and the response hasn't been great, you know, we've been ostracized in the church or we felt people's disapproval uh, that we go, oh, well, I'm not doing that again. And we just sh- shut up the walls and we just attend church, but we're not really engaged in church. Mm. Absolutely. Look, one of the things I found talking to the men was that if you do engage and you let your guard down, you will be seen as being weak. You know, oh, look at this guy. He's actually admitted that he's a drunk or he's an alcoholic or that he watches pornography or that he's, um, you know, rude to his wife or 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 whatever. They don't want to be seen as weak. They don't want to allow themselves to be subjected to any form of maybe godly advice, uh, maybe some mateship, some counselling. And I mean counselling, so they mate, let's go and have a beer or let's go and have a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. But they don't want to. If, if you let the guard down, yeah. then you've opened yourself up to abuse. By abuse, I mean, you know, uh, you're being brought down to their level or to another level that you don't want to be at. Yeah, right. And I think one of the keys in that, that Greg, is the whole issue of trust. Mm. And and you know, I, I have you know, I can count in one hand the number of people that I would confide in in terms of you know how, how I'm going as a mm. Christian, as a man. Um, and I think you know, I would be unique in the sense that I could count you know more than one. <laughs> Uh, but there's, you know, th- that is a, a significant issue, the fact mm. that men don't have a close buddy that they can trust and be open and honest with. There's, just on that point, look, I recall uh, I was, as I said, very high-powered in the corporate world, what have you, but very quickly, let me just say to you that during those years I travelled the world, you know, internationally at conferences, at meetings, New York, London, and I literally mean Paris, I neglected my family. Mm. I neglected my children. And, you know, I turned up to church one day to my wife, and, I, and I've been a Christian for many years, and a woman came up to me and said, how do you stand with God? Wow. wow. I, could have, I could have fallen over. Mm. And I won't repeat what I said in my mind because it really <laughs> hit me. Yeah. Where it, you know, it was meant to, mm. and and I had literally tears in my eyes inside, mm. because mm. where do I stand with God? I had neglected God in favour of something else, mm. and and that is a real, real issue that men need to face. Wow, yeah, this sets us up beautifully for a. An incredible second half of the show. We're hoping you can stick around for that in just a moment. You're listening to Momentum right around Australia, by the way. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. And our special guest is the uh, State Director for New South Wales and the ACT for Family Voice Australia. His name is Greg Bondar. We've highlighted a massive issue. Let's come back in the second half of the show and talk about some of these issues and give you listening some answers and some keys as to how we can solve this problem of us having these conversations and learning about where to get our identity from, learning how to be a man 
and our role in the family. This is coming up in the second half of Momentum. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Momentum. All around Australia, it is uh, Tim and Des with you this week. Hey, just quickly, MomentumAustralia.org is our website. You can check out a bit more about who we are, what we do, why we exist. Also, have a listen to some previous shows. Don't do that right now because we're in this week's show, of course, and we've got a great guest uh, for the second part of the show. But check out more about Momentum online at MomentumAustralia.org. And we are not for profit, so any dollars you can uh, pledge towards keeping momentum on the air would be really, really appreciated. And we are literally all around Australia. Your input will affect men all around Australia. And that is why Momentum exists. And Des, we've got a great guest on the show with us today. Why don't you reintroduce our guest as we start the second part of this week's show? Well, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tim. And you know, we've got a guy called Greg Bondar with us. And Greg has you know, been a Christian a long time and has been on his life journey for a long time and uh, has done so many things in the corporate world and, and in the communication world and, and already is in radio shows and so forth. So uh, he's big experience and his life's work is around helping men, helping families, helping children um, in, uh, in, in their growth and, and so forth and their faith. And so, Greg, welcome. Great to have you here. Oh, delighted to be here again. That's, that's really good. We talked in the first half of the show about, yeah, you know, about men and how men engage and and you know things that men find difficult to do. And so the second half of the show would be really good to get your thoughts on having said all that and said all that platform. What are the things that men can do practically in reality to improve their world? Mm, very good question, Des, and I, I think to do that, I think we need to sort of go back just one step, and I think men need to understand what their role is in a biblical perspective. I mean, 1 Timothy 3 gives you a great example of a man's role as head of the household. Now, don't be, you know, confused that by the head of the household, you know, you've got to make it perfectly clear that the Bible does not favour any particular gender in terms mm -hmm. of male or female, and there are only two genders, as we know. But what I want to point out is that every husband will be accountable to God for the welfare of his family. Mm -hmm. So if you take that on board, then what do you as a man do to ensure that you are faithful, you are responsible, you provide and nurture your family because one of the biggest issues, and I used to be a school teacher many years ago, Des, in my, when I first started my career, I saw kids come to my class at the age of 10 and 11. And the girls in particular, and I won't mention the school, but they were prostitutes for their mother. And that was my first day at a teaching Western Suburb School in Sydney. And I said, wow, where is the father? Hmm. Where is the role of the man? And that brought tears to my eyes. I have to tell you, I went back and I said, I've got to change my whole teaching style. Because these mm -hmm. kids who are disadvantaged, and this is what I'm looking at. So what is it the role of a man? Nurture the family. Grow. In point of fact, you know, and, and I'm not dismissing the wife here. I'm talking about men at the moment. Women have got such a big role to play. And in particular, you know, we've just launched the Mother of the Year Awards again because we understand the role of women in nurturing the family, the child, and in providing for the 
biblical foundations of marriage. That's really, really cool. Greg, can you just repeat that first sentence for me? Because I, I just about fell off my chair when you said that. The, the, uh, a husband is accountable to God. Give, give me the rest of the sentence. Well, the husband is accountable to God for the welfare of his family, physically, morally, spiritually, and emotionally. So if men listening right now, if you, if, if you can just hold that sentence, they're accountable to God. And if you're a Christian, then you know what accountability to God looks like. But then essentially you're accountable to God for the welfare of your family. Like, I just think that is huge. Yeah. As a blanket statement to go, as my role as a husband, as a father, as, you know, the head of this home and this family, I'm accountable to God with this. So then when we break that down on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-by-month basis, Greg, what do you think that some of that looks like for a man? If he's going, okay, well, that sounds great, and I want to be accountable to God, but how do I actively outwork that on a day-to-day basis? Well, I think, you know, Tim, first you have to look at the rule book of life, and that's the Bible. You've got to read it. I mean, if I look at Ephesians 6.4, and I wish I had read it earlier when I was married Mm -hmm. and had children because it it tells you clearly do not provoke your children to wrath Mm. and have and you know and i've looked back and again i've got tears in my eyes because of some of the things that i did to my two boys you know in terms of discipline really brings tears to my eyes because i have provoked them to wrath and point of fact that i'm happy to admit this one of my sons heavily involved in gambling and I think I did not manage the welfare of my son. He's over it now. He's married. He's wonderful. But I did not manage the welfare of my son because I looked the other way. And I, and I am going to be accountable for that. Yeah, that's it's so true. And I think, you know, all of us, I have three sons and I look back and I, you know, like you, I was in the corporate world and I get caught up and that was my identity. My identity mm. was, you know, I was this high-flying IT executive and, you know, traveled the world and made major decisions and, and so forth. And, you know, and, and I would come home and my sons would meet me at the airport and they, you know, what, Dad, what have you brought us home sort of thing. Mm. Uh, what I didn't right. give them was my time. What I didn't give them was my heart. What I didn't give them mm. was my passion and and they deserved it, uh, rightly deserved it. And Dad, you're so right because I always thought I could buy my children's yeah. love. Yeah, I would bring them back presents mm. from LA or New York, wherever I was, to try and say, "Look, look what I bought you." Yeah, but it's a false identity, and that's so true. And it's true not only of people who are travelling overseas, by the way. So, so guys who are listening who have, you know, maybe have their own business or, mm. uh, you know, they do life hard. They maybe have two jobs to make ends meet. And, and nobody's going to sort of complain or criticise men who go out of their way to, you know, feed their families. But you, they need to make sure that there's that total balance. You know, yeah. that one half is, yes, yes, I'm providing for my family, but I must have quality time. Absolutely. With my kids and quality time with my wife. Yeah, absolutely. Look, at, at growing up, my children, when they were growing up, my it was my wife who read them stories at night to go to bed mm. while I was watching the footy, <laughs> you know. And now when I look back, there's, yeah, I have tears in my eyes again 
Why did I let that opportunity go by? Why didn't I read the Bible stories to my children? Mm. You know that I've got a granddaughter who's only two. I'm reading to her, and my son says, she won't be able to understand what you're saying. I said, doesn't matter. I want to read it. <laughs> I didn't read to you when you were a young bloke. So I'm trying to make up for time, but you're so right. It's quality time that's so important. Greg, can I go back to your previous statement? And you talked about leading your children to wrath, which is what the Bible says not to do that. But the Bible is very clear on discipline as well. And so can you explain the difference between the two for us? Absolutely. I think one of, one of the things by, you know, if you're trying to upset your child to be uh, rebellious, and as we are as Christians, rebellious to God, I think that's what we're doing. So we've got to be very careful. Discipline is so important. Now, let me explain. As I said, when I was a former school teacher, and even now when I look at uh, uh, church groups and I look at kids, one of the biggest problems society is facing today is a lack of discipline hmm. and the lack of discipline at home, at work. You have a look at a TV news item when a young youth gets pulled over by the policeman, the language, when I was young boy, I would have been put in prison. <laughs> now it's free for all. Hmm. Lack of discipline. So discipline is what is it that you should be doing in the public arena as a person, when you're talking to somebody, and some of the things that I see come across my table, social media, the language, the, the, the insinuations, I'm just saying, where is the father in putting in time to discipline? I don't, I'm not talking here about hitting or, you know, or whatever. I'm talking here about talking to your children mm. and bringing them to the realisation that they also will be accountable. So, and not only that, but as a family, you know, we have to make sure, uh, Tim, we have to make sure that we have a household that respects the parents as they are meant to do biblically. One of the things that uh, I'd like to comment on, Greg, is the whole issue of boundaries. Mm. And uh, and discipline is, is right, but dis- discipline has to have boundaries in itself, as well as boundaries for all areas of our lives mm. so in particular in children but also boundaries in terms of our relationship with our wives and with our partners mm. yeah we need to have boundaries talk to that if you would yeah boundaries are so important because um in I, i'll give you an example one of the one of the um one of the instance uh, issues that came up with my with one of my boys was that uh, he he saw me and I have to admit, guilty as charged, gamble. Now, I'm going up about 40 years now, but, you know, but he knew that I was gambling, right? Uh, now, that, now that it comes to fruition, because I, I showed him that um, in my youth I was a gambler. And guess what he said to me now that I said to him, don't gamble? Well, you did it. <laughs> and I said, yeah, well, hang on, mate. I said, two wrongs don't make a right. <laughs> the point I'm making in his youth now he knew, he learned about that I used to gamble because I told him so. So he's now saying, I said, look, mate, you've crossed the boundary. It's a bit like Julius Caesar crossing the, the Rubicon. Once you cross it, there's no turning back. And if you get involved in gambling or whatever else it might be, then you're going to have to live with it. So one of the things, the other thing is I said, you as my son, 
And I've said this to all my children, my daughter as well. You respect your mother. You respect your father. You know, you don't have to agree with everything we say, but there are boundaries you do not cross. And I think that's very important. That can be social death. It could be yeah. uh, physical. It could oh. also be, um, you know, um, so, sort of just family issues. So very important that we, as men, ensure that our children know what they can and can't get away with, in a, if, for want of a better phrase. Mm. Um, Greg, we've we've been going for pretty much the whole show and I feel like we've just scratched the surface of some of the stuff that we were wanting to talk about. But I mean, there's been so much in the show already. But as we look at the the, the final moments of the show, um, one of the key things that we talked about first was this idea of trust for men, men finding trusted places to have conversations. Uh, and so we, we always want to push that on momentum because we believe that that is an absolute key for men is finding other men that they can have honest conversations with, whether it's around their family, whether it's around their work, whether it's around their sexuality, whether it's around another area of their life that they're struggling with, to absolutely find those places that they can have honest conversations with. But as we wrap up the show, Greg, as we always do, a couple of take-homes for men listening right now around the sorts of things that we've been talking about, their role, the headship of the family, the discipline of the kids, you know, their, their, their role as in like, um, you know, a role model to their kids as well. Um, a couple of key points that you can leave men with this week. Yeah, thank you, um, Tim. Look, in particular, I want to try and mention the fact that, you know, as a man, you do not have to live up to any expectations that society wants you to live up to. Your guide is the Bible. Mm. And by that, I mean scriptural. Go to the Go to the source of the information and, 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 and make sure that you are a loving father. You do care for your children from a spiritual, physical point of view and your wife as well. Stay away from the things that will harm you. Gambling, alcohol, drunkenness. I'm not, alcohol can be fine. It's when it's abused that it's not fine. And in particular, if I could, Tim, the issue of pornography. In my dealings with men, both at church and, and in my chaplaincy work, the number of men that are shielding their addiction to pornography is absolutely astounding. And that's a big no-no because that will affect your family, it will affect your marriage, and, of course, it will affect you as a man as well. Well, that sets us up beautifully for next week because that is our topic on Momentum next week. And Greg is going to be back as we look at pornography <laughs> uh, uh, next week on the show where we talk about the topic of pornography. It is a big one, as you've said, Greg. And um, we're going to delve into that in a really honest, open and raw way next week on Momentum. But our special guest this week has been Greg Bondar. Greg is the State Right Director for New South Wales and ACT for Family Voice Australia. Familyvoice.org.au is their website. And if you want to check out the Momentum website, it is MomentumAustralia.org. We'd love you to check out a bit more about who we are, what we do. You can check our previous episodes of the show. And if you'd like to support us as well, that would be really, really appreciated. MomentumAustralia.org. Greg, it's been a pleasure chatting. Looking forward to next week's show. Thanks for being with us this week. Thank you and God bless. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum. Momentum.